as none but this foreigner returned and gave thanks to God. Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. We hear about faith. What is faith? Augustine tells us faith is believing in what you cannot see and seeing what you believe in. Basically, faith is seeing through the eyes of the soul, not the human eye. This was brought out in a story I heard recently. There was a very holy monk who lived in a mountain, and two students went and sought him out. They wanted to be his pupils. So he gave him a test. He gave both the little bird and said, go and kill the bird where no one or anything can see you. So the first went to a deserted place, killed the bird, and came back. The second went to another deserted place, looked before he killed the bird, looked in the bird's eyes and said, the bird's looking at me. And then he said, and I'm looking at the bird. And if the bird's looking at me and I'm looking at the bird, God sees both of us. So I brought him back to the monk alive. And the monk said to the first, go, you can never be a disciple, you, you lack faith. And he said to the other one, you will be my disciple. The moral of the story is, we can never go anywhere or any place to commit sin where God is not looking over our shoulder. We never commit sin in private. The second reading today tells us about different aspects of eternal salvation. They are die to oneself. Um, if you have uh, continued courage, unselfishness, never give up the fight. They talk about denying God and finally unfaithfulness. So let's go over this briefly first. It's a dichotomy. If you die to yourself, you can live with Christ. What does that mean? It's the rule of three. God is number one in every aspect of our life. Until we reach that point, our life has no meaning. Our family is number two. Then, and only then, should we worry about ourselves. Our society is rampant with an epidemic of abuse in the elderly and spousal, and it should never occur. Especially the elderly, because it says in a good book, when your parents grow old, even if they lose their mind, treat them with love and respect. You can use that as a sin offering. Very few times in the Gospels does it say you something as a sin offering your spouse, especially your wife. Your wife should be the most important person in your entire life. You should put her up on a pedestal. Your entire life should revolve around your wife and what's good for the family. But any form of verbal or physical abuse is calling God's wrath upon us. Think about that. Or as my beloved mother 
Grandma Shorty always told us when we were young and my brothers, if I, if I even hear that you're disrespectful to a woman, I'll clean the floor up with you. And she meant it. None of us are ever disrespectful to any women. Next, faithfulness or perseverance. Perseverance is one of the greatest qualities of eternal life because those who persevere to the end, they will be saved. Many times in our life we see people that will be on fire for Christ. They come to church all the time. And then slowly by gradually, they stop coming until they never come anymore. Now we all seen people like this. My brothers and sisters, eternal salvation is not a hundred-yard dash. It's a marathon. What we do in day in and day out, week in and week out, determines our eternal salvation. It's not a one-time event. But it's that every day, those positive steps growing closer to Christ. That's how we gain salvation. Many times I see young uh, families where they won't come to church because the children are acting up. And I tell them it's very important to bring your children to church because the church should be their second home. If we want the children to stay in the faith, they should see our church as their home. And I always tell them, when my older son had colic when he was a little boy. Now, if you don't know what colic is, it's basically when the baby wakes up, they scream, but it's murder, and they don't stop. Well, we were in the old church, and Michael wakes up, and he's sc screaming bloody murder. And my wife's looking over at me. And at first I'm thinking, she's thinking, how'd I marry such a good-looking guy? But that ain't what she was thinking. After a while, she goes, and I go, oh, he's disrupting the mass, and, you know, the people around us, they can't concentrate. So we took him out, took him out back. Let me tell you something. There's been many a rainy, snowy mass. I sat on those front steps of the old church. It got so bad, if you remember the old church, there was two um, cement uh, benches in the front. Well, I bought them because I was sick of sitting on the steps. We are blessed having a church like this. So wives, if the babies are misbehaving, just look at the husband, and I think they'll know. Take them to the annex. Finally, well, we've got two more things. Deny him. Jesus said, you deny me, I will deny you. That's a big, that's a big one. I never want Christ to deny me. But the way we do it, the way we deny Christ is denying our faith. Like last week, how many people went and stood for one hour to hold a sign against the scourge of abortion? It's not asking too much. What was more important than that? And believe me, I don't want to hear about the Panthers or Pittsburgh or anybody else. Even our visiting priest was so impressed. He went down and stood for an hour. And he was so good, I bought him a bowl of soup and a cold beer afterwards, and we watched the highlights of the game. But do we profess our faith? If we just went up to somebody that knows us and say, 
Do you know I'm a Christian? Do you know what religion I am? And if they say, I have no idea, you're in trouble. One of the things I do is I always have a St. Benedict medal I carry on the outside of my shirt. And uh, especially when I'm seeing patients. And every day at least one patient will say, what is that beautiful cross? And I tell them the story about St. Benedict and the prayer, which I'm sure we all know. If not, I'll teach it to you later. And 99.9% of the time, they all say the same thing. Where can I get one? Something simple as that professes our faith. Finally, faithfulness. Jesus is always faithful to us. Always. All we need to do is ask him for help. We all go through times in which we're feeling like saints and other times we're the biggest sinner in town. But never give up the fight. Jesus never gives up on us. But faithfulness is founded in thanksgiving. I'll say that again. Faithfulness is founded in thanksgiving. And this was shown to me many years ago. In front of my office one uh, summer day, there was two older men. They looked pretty rough. And they were sitting on the curb. So I go out, what's going on, guys? And they go, I just got out of the shelter, they said. And uh, the one was waiting for his sisters or nurse to get out of work. So they're going to take, her back to, take them back to Charlotte. And maybe they can go home again. So I said, well, I don't want you guys just sitting around here doing nothing here. I turn with the hoses. Water the plants. Come on. I'll pay you. Do something. And they were so happy. I took them out to lunch. And we're at a big restaurant. These two men, who were probably didn't have a dime in their pocket, probably addicted to drugs and alcohol. I was just watching them. Both these two men bowed their heads and gave thanks. And I had one of those out-of-body experiences, and I looked around, and the good Lord told me, Jimmy, why are only these two giving me thanks, and I blessed everybody in this restaurant? I told him, Lord, I have no idea. I don't know. We need to give thanks, especially for our faith. Praise be Jesus Christ.